Almost every day there appears in some news article a new story about AI, artificial intelligence. Have you been keeping up? It can seem a bit overwhelming. One of my favorite New York Times writers, Thomas Friedman, wrote a piece this week saying AI is, quote, going to change everything about how we do everything. He calls this our Promethean moment. And what's that? One of those moments in history when certain new tools, new ways of thinking, or new energy sources are introduced and it changes everything. Quote, how you create, how you compete, how you collaborate, how you work, how you learn, how you govern, and yes... How you cheat, commit crimes, and even fight wars. Friedman says that when he realized this about AI, he couldn't even sleep. He compared it to Dorothy waking up in the land of Oz, a whole new world that we're now part of. Our Promethean moment. So here's what I did. I logged into ChatGBT. This is a new AI tool. And I asked this question, was Lazarus really raised from the dead? <laughs> this is what artificial intelligence said. And I'm reading directly. According to the New Testament of the Christian Bible, Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ. The story is told in the Gospel of John where it is recounted that Lazarus had died and had been at the tomb for four days when Jesus arrived. Jesus asked for the stone to be rolled away from the tomb's entrance and then he called out to Lazarus to come out of the tomb. To the best of my knowledge, there is no concrete evidence to support the claim that Lazarus was actually raised from the dead. It's important to remember that the story of Lazarus is a religious narrative and interpretations of religious texts can vary widely among different communities and scholars. Some people may view the story of Lazarus as a literal historical event, while others may view it as a symbolic or allegorical story meant to convey a deeper spiritual message. That answer came within 10 seconds and it was written by a robot. We will consider the Lazarus story today in this sacred space and what it means. And we have a group of readers again this week who are going to help us hear it afresh. And I invite them to come forward now. We have Jesus. We have disciples, Mary and Martha also on the scene. We want to listen to this reading and we want to see what the Spirit might be saying to the church today. We open our hearts to hearing the word of the Lord. A man by the name of Lazarus was sick in the village of Bethany. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. This was the same Mary who later poured perfume on the Lord's head and wiped his feet with her hair. The sisters sent a message to the Lord and told him that his good friend Lazarus was sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, His sickness will not end in death. It will bring glory to God and to his Son. 
Jesus loved Martha and her sister and brother, but he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, Now we will go back to Judea. Teacher, the people there want to stone you to death. Why do you want to go back? Aren't there 12 hours in each day? If you walk during the day, you will have light from the sun, and you will not stumble. But if you walk during the night, you will stumble, because you do not have any light. Then he told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, and I am going to go there and wake him. Lord, if he is asleep, he will get better. Jesus really meant that Lazarus was dead, but they thought he was talking only about sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I am glad I wasn't there because now you will have a chance to put your faith in me. Let's go to him. Thomas, whose nickname was Twin, said to the other disciples, Come on, let's go so we can die with him. When Jesus got to Bethany, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than three kilometers from Jerusalem, and many people had come from the city to comfort Mary and Martha because their brother had died. When Martha heard that Jesus had arrived, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Yet even now I know that God will do anything you ask. Your brother will live again. I know he will be raised to life on the last day when all the dead are raised. I am the one who raises the dead to life. Everyone who has faith in me will live, even if they die. And everyone who lives because of faith in me will never really die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord. I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God. You are the one we hoped would come into the world. After Martha said this, she went and privately said to her sister, Mary, Mary, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up and went out to Jesus. He was still outside the village where Martha had gone to meet him. Many people had come to comfort Mary and when they saw her quickly leave the house, they thought she was going out to the tomb to cry, so they followed her. Mary went to where Jesus was. Then, as soon as she saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw that Mary and the people with her were crying, he was terribly upset. Where have you put the body? Lord, come, and you will see. Jesus started crying, and the people said, See how much he loved Lazarus. He gives sight to the blind. Why couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still terribly upset, so he went to the tomb, which was a cave with a stone rolled against the entrance. When he told, then he told the people to roll the stone away. But Martha said, Lord, you know that Lazarus has been dead four days, and there will be a bad smell. Didn't I tell you that if you had faith, you would see the glory of God? 
After the stone had been rolled aside, Jesus looked up toward heaven and prayed. Father, I thank you for answering my prayer. I know that you always answer my prayers, but I said this so the people here would believe that you sent me. When Jesus had finished praying, he shouted, Lazarus, come out. The man who had been dead came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of burial cloth, and a cloth covered his face. Untie him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. So John's gospel flows with seven important signs. These are miracles. These are moments. These are signs, signs that reveal who Jesus is and what Jesus' life and ministry are about. And these signs intend to get our rapt attention, take our breath away even, and or give us faith and focus these seven signs the first sign comes in john chapter 2 jesus turns water into wine it happens at a joyous wedding the raising of lazarus is the seventh and the final sign in chapter 10 just before we get to this long story in chapter 11 jesus calls himself the good shepherd who takes who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus says this so that they'll have life and have it abundantly. And now he makes good on that very claim that he literally brings life and life in abundance to Lazarus. As you may recall, Jesus raising Lazarus puts Jesus in extreme danger. Within a few verses following this long story today, the religious authorities began plotting to put Jesus to death. You can see it in verse 53 if you read ahead. Their reasoning goes like this. Signs such as raising the dead will inspire the masses to believe in him and the Roman occupiers, fearing an insurrection, will crack down on everyone destroying the temple destroying the nation so the movement toward the cross the suffering and death of Jesus is sure to follow well where does this deep fear come from this fear that raising someone from the dead would be an act when society is actually turned upside down where does it come from And in the book of Ezekiel, there is a passage in chapter 37 that says this. God says, you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves. Many in Jesus' day would have been ready to interpret the raising of Lazarus and opening of a grave as a sign that God is about to vindicate Israel and vanquish the Roman occupation and restore the nation of Israel. This interpretation could provoke a popular uprising. 
or at the very least, a, a credible rumor of an uprising. And the Roman response would be brutal. Better get rid of Jesus sooner rather than later. The name Lazarus literally means God is my help. What if you had a name that spoke to you like that? He is Mary and Martha's brother. As you've heard, he's a follower of Jesus. He's one whom Jesus knows well, even loves well. When Jesus learns about his friend Lazarus' death, he decides against the forceful arguments of Thomas and other disciples who were deeply worried about Jesus getting in trouble, getting uh, killed, his safety. Jesus says, I'm going there to awaken him. And he also adds, so that you may believe. Faith is always a matter of knowing certain things and trusting certain things. It's always a matter of learning certain things and trusting certain things. We know and we trust. And these are always in an active dynamic. What we know often helps us trust God more. And what we can trust often helps us know more about God, God's love, God's promises, God's presence. So knowing and trusting are always working to complement one another and build up faith. The disciples know that Jesus is, that, that Lazarus is dead. But they're also trying to trust Jesus, who keeps showing them signs, signs of God's presence, signs of God's care, signs of God's help and healing. So they all go together to Bethany to see about Lazarus. When they get there, it says Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. In the traditional thinking of the day, the soul lingered around the corpse for three days after the death. But by the fourth day, it was thought the soul had departed. The body was dead for good. Jesus seems to postpone his arrival until just this point, the fourth day, better to call attention to God's works, better to call attention to God's glory through this seventh and final sign so that they may believe and so that the ancient vision may all the more be vividly enacted. You shall know that I am with you when we open your graves, when I open your graves. And then what unfolds feels like a familiar scene. Martha running out, Mary with her question. She says, Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. Such a classic way of thinking. Where were you, God? Where were you, God, when we needed you? When we needed you most, if, if you had just been here, if it had just been different, if you had just shown up when we needed you, if you had been in the classroom when the shooter started firing, where were you, God? Did you take the day off? If you had only shown up in so many incidents that come our way, this is how we think. When the crisis unfolded 
in our family if you had just been here, God, when the relationship ran off the rails? If, 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 where were you, God? If you had just been there when the dark clouds of depression set you back, if you had been here, God, when the finances got so messed up, if you had just been here, God, where, when the doctor told us there's nothing more we can do and we went home with hospice care, where were you, God, if, if, if God was only present and if God were more attentive and doing something, this is how we think. This is how we think. Yet as the scene unfolds, Jesus not only causes Lazarus' resurrection, he somehow is the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life, he says to Martha, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. There's the if and the questions and the doubt and the query, and then there's the I am. I am the resurrection. I am in your midst. I am forever with you. Friends, the invitation is for all of us. And my great hope for myself and for each of you is that we can lean away from all the ifs, 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 and lean in to those words of promise, I am. I am, I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. I told some of you last week how I was so touched and taken with a recent podcast. The podcast features one of uh, my favorite theologians, Miroslav Wolf, who teaches at Yale. Miroslav Wolf on this podcast interviews a former student and a friend of his, a Ukrainian pastor in Ukraine whose church is just on the outskirts of Kiev. Imagine war becoming your new normal. Imagine getting so used to air raid sirens that you don't even run and hide anymore. Imagine passing through rubble every single day on your way to the store, on your way to the church. No doubt, after 387 days of war, the shock has numbed into weariness. But this pastor speaks to his former professor with such inspiration. He has his people in his church focused on some of the minor prophets, Nahum and Habakkuk, who remind us all and always to trust in God. Those prophets keep saying over and over, the, the empires trust in power. We trust in God. Evil will not prosper. Empires do not win. Our trust is in the Lord. Here's a person leading his community of faith in great crisis whose faith, whose faith persists in the face of all the cold reminders of how little control any of us exert on many of the situations that come our way. And he continues to minister to soldiers, to civilians, holding their deep questions with presence and patience, working to share food and supplies and preaching a message of hope and wholeness in the face of evil. 
Here's someone leaning away from if, if, and into Jesus' promise, I am, I am the resurrection, I am the way, I am the life, I am the hope. This is what Jesus keeps saying. Friends, trials come. Loss is real. Hardships can tear us down. But God holds us forever. That's why this story of Lazarus is so important. Evil will not prosper. Empires do not prevail. Not the Roman Empire that started plotting soon after this story to kill and remove Jesus. Not the imperial and aggressive empires that drop bombs and create chaos and kill. Our trust is in God, God's presence, God's abiding care, God's gift of life and hope and eternal life for all of us. Back in 1925, Eugene O'Neill, the great playwright, wrote a famous play. It's called Lazarus Laughed. It's about this passage from the gospel according to John. And unlike the scripture passage, when Lazarus has no words, he has no lines in the story, in O'Neill's play, Lazarus speaks. Lazarus laughs. He comes out of the tomb in the play and there's all this joy. There's all this desire to celebrate. His father says, let us rejoice and eat and drink and be merry. And his sisters, Mary and Martha, run to him and seek to embrace him. But Lazarus just stands there, creating a mysterious and awkward moment for everyone. He just stands there. And then in this pregnant, awkward moment with people gathered around him, he he starts to laugh slowly and softly to himself and then to everyone around him and he breaks this awkwardness and Lazarus says, no, there is no death. And all of his loved ones are just staring at him and someone asks, there's no death? Where, what did you find there, Lazarus? And Lazarus responds, oh, curious, greedy ones, is not one world in which you know not how to live enough for you? And Lazarus says again, there's no death. There's only life. I laughed in the laughter of God. Death is dead. Fear is no more. There's only life. There's only joy. There's only laughter. We may be, as Friedman says, in the midst of our Promethean moment with artificial intelligence doing so much for us, but a robot cannot tell us a lot of things. A robot cannot tell us the gospel truth. God gets the last word. That's the story of Lazarus. Hardship, pain, suffering, wars, rumors of wars, they're all part of life. But so is the abiding love and the presence and the purposes and even the laughter of God. That's the real and final truth. And what I want and what I hope for myself 
and for all of you is that we keep leaning into the I am. I am. It tells us about the purposes and promises and love and laughter of God. There's only life. Fear is no more. Only God. Only love. Only life. So we keep living, friends. We keep living with faith, hope, and love always and forever. Following Jesus, working for the great purposes, the love, the peace, the promises, the laughter of God. May it be so. Amen. Let us pray. Show us the way, dear God, the way to life following Jesus. Amen.